Good morning, you lovely people. How are you? Happy New Year. Well, you know who I am. I'm Phil Weaver and I head up New Springs UK, uh, the national work of New Springs, the church that you're a part of, of course. And I believe the Lord shared with me a message that I want to share with you. And I hope it inspires you and encourages you with it being in the beginning of the year. And hopefully it will set you up for the whole year. So I'm going to read from the book of Genesis, chapter 18, and reading from verse 1. Genesis, chapter 18, verse 1. Turn with me to that passage. It says this. Now the Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Marmara while he was sitting at the tent door in the heat of the day. When he raised his eyes and looked, behold, three men were standing opposite him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and he bowed to the ground. And he said, my Lord, if now I have found favor in your sight, please do not pass your servant by. Please let me have a little water. Let, let me bring water to you and wash your feet and make yourself comfortable under the tree. And I will bring a piece of bread so that you may refresh yourselves. After that, you may go on your way since you have visited your servant. And they said, so do as you have said. So Abraham hurried into the tent where Sarah was and said quickly, prepare three measures of fine flour, knead it and make bread cakes. And Abraham also ran to the herd and took a tender and choice calf and gave it to the servant and he hurried to prepare it. He took curds and milk and the calf where he had prepared and he set it before them and he was standing by them under the tree and they ate. Then they said to him, where is your wife, Sarah? And he said to them, she's in the tent. He said, I will certainly return to you this time next year. And behold, your wife, Sarah, will have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door, which was behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. Sarah was past childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, after I've become whole, am I to take pleasure? My Lord, he's also old. But the Lord said to Abraham, why did you laugh, Sarah? Shall I actually give birth to a child when I am old? That's what you said. Why? Why did you laugh, Sarah? Is anything too difficult for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return this time next year, and Sarah, you will have a son, says the Lord. Sarah denied it. She said, I never did laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. The Lord will add his blessing to his word. Now, my message today, I've simply entitled, This Time Next Year. And the question I want to address this morning is something I think you'll find very interesting and fascinating. I think you'll find it might challenge you where the next year is concerned. So let me begin by sharing with you what I think you will find really intriguing, but at the same time challenging. It's a, a poem called I Am the Coming Year. It goes like this. 
I am the coming year. I am an unspoiled page in your book of time. I am your next chance at the art of living. I am your opportunity to practice what you have learned about life during the next 12 months. All that you sought and didn't find is hidden in me. I am waiting for you to search it out again, but this time with more determination. All the good that you tried and didn't achieve is mine to grant in the months ahead when you are less distracted, for I am this coming year. All that you dreamed of but didn't dare to do, all that you hoped for that didn't come to pass, all the faith that you mustered, which ended in little, is waiting to be awakened by the touch of a strong purpose. I am coming. I am the coming year ahead. And I am your opportunity to renew your allegiance to him who said, Behold, I make all things new. At the end of September, the beginning of October last year, uh, it seems strange when you say last year, but it was only a couple of months ago, wasn't it? I was reading my Bible, spending time waiting on God in my daily devotional time. The time when it was just Jesus and me. Me pouring my heart out to him and him revealing his heart and desires to me. Devotional time, the quiet time, the daily time I spend to get to know Jesus more. The specific time he talks with me and reassures me and tells me I'm his very own. The time the Lord whispers, Phil, this is the way, walk ye in it. That's what happens when we have a devotional time. The Lord guides us and leads us. Please spend time. Make it a quality decision to spend time seeking the Lord in personal devotions, and you'll be surprised what God says to you this year. As I was reading through the Word of God from Genesis chapter 18, I really felt a prompting of the Holy Spirit in my heart. On this particular time, I really sensed God speaking to me in what I consider a prophetic significant way. At the time, I wasn't really focusing on the future at all, but it seemed God wanted to take me there and give me a glimpse of what he had in mind. In Genesis 18, we find the ongoing story of Abraham and Sarah. Let me briefly give you the backstory. Jehovah God had cut a special covenant or agreement with Abraham, which you can read about in Genesis 15, by the way. The Lord actually promised that he would bless 75-year-old Abraham, 75, and make him the father of many nations. He promised Abraham that his descendants would be as many as the stars that hung in space and the grains of sand in the desert. And God promised that through Abraham, all nations would be blessed. That was quite a promise, don't you think? However, that's called the covenant, the Abrahamic covenant. However, there was indeed several massive obstacles to overcome if this was going to happen. Firstly, Abraham and his wife had no children, no heir to carry on the family name. And there was little chance of them ever having any children. There was little chance of Abraham ever becoming a father, let alone a father of nations. And why? Well, secondly, Abraham was getting on. In fact, he was, as I said earlier, 75 years of age 
when God made this promise to him. He and his wife were pensioners. Well, let's just say their childbearing days were fast coming to an end. Thirdly, Sarah, Abraham's wife, was barren. For whatever reason, she simply wasn't able to conceive. She wasn't able to have children. She just couldn't get pregnant. So you can see, all in all, it was an absolute impossible situation. For Abraham to become a father of many nations, it was never going to happen. And when he told Sarah this, she laughed. And let's be honest, who can blame her? But you see, this is the God of the Bible for you. We serve a God who specializes in things thought impossible. And all this was one of those impossible situations in which God was going to intervene. Aren't you glad that God is able to intervene in impossible situations? Now, skip forward 25 years, give or take a year or two. Abraham and Sarah are still childless. The only difference is they're both a quarter of a century older. Things have got even worse. Things have got even more impossible if things can get more impossible. Abraham was close to 100 years of age. Sarah, the best part of 90. Well, when it came to having children, that ship had long sailed. Let's be honest. In the natural, it was never, ever going to happen. You do realize this, don't you? In the natural, some things are never, ever going to happen. We need a touch of God if some things are going to happen. God visits Abraham again and reminds him of what he promised him a quarter of a century ago. That he would make Abraham not only a father, but a father of many nations. And Sarah just laughs to herself. I can't blame her. Truth was, she and her husband didn't even make whoopee anymore. Fill in the blanks. And they hadn't for a long time. They most probably slept in different Bedouin tents, let alone on the same mattress. Abraham and Sarah had gotten to an age where all their pleasure was found in a mug of Horlicks just before they retired each night. Do you know what I'm saying? I think you do, don't you? Anyway, I was thinking about this, how, how I could bring this into some type of comparison. Well, my mum is still alive. Uh, she's 92. And uh, she does all right for 92, to be honest with you. And uh, I was thinking about if she and uh, who? Captain Tom. Remember Captain Tom who walked around his garden? Yeah. Uh, if they got together and decided they wanted to have children, it's laughable. Absolutely laughable. And Sarah laughs. Who can blame her? God replies with a profound statement. Why do you doubt, he says. Is there anything too difficult for the Lord? That's what God said. Why do you doubt? Is there anything too difficult for the Lord? This is a statement that carries the same sentiment as the verse found in Job 42, verse 2, where God's servant Job declares, I know that you can do all things, Lord, and no purpose of yours can be thwarted. And then again in Jeremiah 32, verse 17, where it says, Our Lord God, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm, and nothing is too difficult for you. And yet again, 
with what Jesus said in Matthew 19, 26, when it says, with man, this is impossible. But then Jesus went on to say, but with God, all things are possible. Why don't you say that right now to somebody sitting next to you? With God, all things are possible. The Lord then goes on to make a really astonishing, even audacious statement. He declares, this time next year. Now, I want you to say that. This time next year, I will return to you and Sarah will have a son of her own. And then he repeats this again, just to reiterate what he was saying, just to make sure Abraham hears and understands. Sarah may well have laughed, but this time next year, Sarah will have a son and we will see who is laughing then. You see, this is what I've learned. God always does the last laugh. So let's now fast forward exactly one year. According to Genesis 21, verse 1 and 2, it happened just as the Lord had said. Abraham and Sarah did have a son of their own, and they called him Isaac, which means laughter. The impossible had become possible because the hand of God was involved. This time next year, and this time next year, it happened. You see, when God says something, it happens. I used to believe this. If God says it and I believe it, that settles it. I don't believe that anymore. I believe if God says it, that settles it. Whether I believe it or not, God's going to do it. Now, I want to be totally honest with you. When I read those four words, this time next year, they jumped off the page at me and something resonated deep inside of me. My spirit leapt with wonder, excitement and anticipation. A bit like when Mary went to see her cousin Elizabeth when they were both pregnant, Mary with Jesus and Elizabeth with John the Baptist. And when they met, that which was conceived in them leapt. Do you remember that story? Well, in a similar way, I genuinely felt the leap of faith inside of me, the anointing of God flowing through my body when I read those words this time next year. I just sensed God had something important to say to me through those four little words, this time next year. And when I read the same words again, a couple of sentences later, the exact same feeling pervaded my whole being. And yet again, when I read Genesis 21, which tells me 12 months later, God's promise became a reality, I knew there was something in these four words. This time next year. And I knew these words were prophetic to me, my family, the leaders at New Springs, and the church as a whole at New Springs, whether in Loughborough, Sunderland, or Stoke, and I knew they were prophetic for the wider community, if not for the nation in some way, this time next year. I knew deep in my spirit that God was telling me he was serving notice on me, that he was going to do something special and unique for us here at New Springs one year hence, this time next year, one year from now. For me, with September and October, for you, it might be one year from now. <clears throat> 2023. I honestly believe this is what is known as a Rima word, a word for us from God today, a word that has particular significance at this particular time. 
There we go. I've spoken it out in faith and confessed what I believe will happen one year from now, this time next year. By the way, the following year, after God had made the promise to Abraham, things were never ever going to be the same again. From, for, for Abraham and Sarah, life was going to be very different this time next year. I believe where we're concerned as a church, things are going to be very different for us this time next year. And I am believing that where your personal walk with Christ is concerned, that this time next year, things will be very, very different for the better. And I believe it will mean just like Abraham and Sarah, there will be a significant expansion and growth to the family. I believe it involves the birthing of something special and I believe it will be in part fulfillment of the promise that God has given us here at New Springs. The whole idea of this time next year was they would give birth. New life would come. Something new would emerge and that's what I'm believing for New Springs this time next year. It will undoubtedly be substantial. It won't be small what God's doing and what he wants to do. Like it says in Isaiah 54, dig deep, spare not, extend your tent, for I'm about to do something new, says the Lord. It will undoubtedly cause us to launch out into the deep and yet again, go beyond our own reach. Luke chapter 4 talks about the disciples having to launch out into the deep. And when they did, they had a great catch of 153 large fish. And I do sense in my spirit that what God wants to do is bigger than we could ever imagine or think. It sounds like we've never gone this way before. To coin a phrase, you never know, church, we might need a bigger boat. As a church... We're about to become pregnant in faith again. God has done some wonderful things amongst us in the past, but I believe the Holy Spirit will conceive in our hearts, little by little, what he desires to happen, and the nine-month gestation period will begin before new birth will take place. Start expecting God to say something to you. There's a nine-month gestation period before a baby is born. It can't be seen, but it's there. Start preparing for what God wants to do. This we can be sure of, what God is, has in mind is exceedingly more than we can ever imagine, ask or think. That's what Ephesians 3 verse 10 tells us. And in the meantime, we have all the other things the Lord has called us to do to complete and bring to fruition. We of course have got our regular programs, but I honestly believe they need to continue but God wants to add to it. You might be thinking, oh, it's all too much. Listen, if God has called us, he can equip us and he can make it happen. By the way, I wouldn't want you to think that this time next year, Revelation now takes some sort of priority over everything else you've got to do. No, 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 not at all. I see it all coming together to make up a blended whole. All of it is a part of God's plan and purpose this time next year. This is how God works out, you know, this is how God works out his vast eternal plan in us and through us. If this is not the Lord just doing what 
His word tells us, I'm not sure what is the Lord. Isaiah 43 verse 19 says, Behold, I am doing a new thing, and I will tell you about it before it springs forth. He's revealing his intentions and telling us to get ready for the next important move and wave of God. Hallelujah. And by way of confirmation, God spoke to me again, as if to say, Phil, you haven't misheard or misunderstood. I am doing a new thing, and before it happens, I will tell you of it, so that you can prepare yourself, prepare the church, prepare new springs. Shortly after God had spoken to me from Genesis 18 with those words, this time next year, lo and behold, I find myself reading 2 Kings chapter 4. Let me read it to you from verse 8. <clears throat> 2 Kings chapter 4 verse 8. One day, Elisha went on to Shunem, where a wealthy woman lived who urged him to eat some food. So whenever he passed that way, he would turn in there to eat food. And she said to her husband, Behold now, I know that this is a holy man of God who is continually passing our way. Let us make a small room on the roof with walls and put in there a bed and a table and a chair and a lamp so that whenever he comes, he can go there. One day he came there and he turned into the chamber and rested there. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, Call the Shunammite woman. And when he had called her, she stood before him, and he said to him, Say now to her, I don't know why he didn't tell her himself, but say now to her, See all the trouble that you have taken over me. What is to be done for you? Ask her what she wants. Would you have a word spoken on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She answered, I dwell among my people. I don't need anything. And Elisha said, what then can be done for this woman? Gehiza answered, well, she has no son and her husband is old. Elisha said, call her to me. And when he had called her, she stood in the doorway and he said, now note this church, at this season, about this time next year, did you hear that? About this time next year, you will embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, oh, man of God, do not lie to me. But the woman did conceive, and she bore a son about that time the following spring, just as Elisha had said to her. There it is again. By the way, a clear confirmation and reinforcement of this word this time next year. May I therefore respectfully ask each of you if you would be kind enough to pray into this with me. You see, all these things need to be tested, but who knows what the Lord has in store? Church, we need to pray and find out what God's got in store. We, of course, all know the Lord is known by many names in Scripture. A little known one, because I've made it up, is Jehovah Sneaky. In other words, Believe me, he's got something up his sleeve. He's surely up to something. Of that we can be absolutely certain. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So I can't help wondering what our church will be like this time next year. And I wonder what life will look like for each of you this time next year. I wonder. Will you be just as passionate for Jesus as you are now? 
assuming that you are passionate for him? Or will you have allowed yourself to drift further away from the Lord? Will you be closer to him or further away this time next year? This time next year, will you have given up because you have been hurt by someone or because of some adverse circumstance? This time next year, will you be pressing in and pushing on in Jesus' name? Will you still be in faith more than ever and working towards your dream of God, uh, of what God wants to do? Uh, what about your dream? Will it be any closer? Will you still be believing this time next year? Or will you still be content on being on the fringe of what God is doing? Some of you are sitting listening to me and you come on Sundays, but you're on the fringe. Are you going to be content with that this time next year? Just getting by. Or will you still be content to let others do it? Now is the time to rise up. Or will you be totally giving yourself to godly service yourself for the expansion of God's kingdom here on earth this time next year? This time next year, will you be more faithful and loving to your wife or your husband and your family? What will your relationship with your family be this time next year? I pray God will strengthen it. This time next year, will you be excelling in being the first class ambassador that God wants you to be? You are an ambassador of the King of Kings. How can you step up this time next year? This time next year, will you be right at the center of what God is doing? Blazing a trail in your sphere of your influence and work for Jesus. Oh, I do hope and pray that you will be. Will you be offering God everything you have this year, uh, this time next year in preparation for the miracle? This next year, will you be offering everything God has given you so that you can receive a new miracle? Of course, there will be those here who say, I never seem to have anything to offer. What can I offer? There's so many people in the church who are saying, I've got nothing to offer. I'm reminded of a little story at the beginning of the chapter I read in 2 Kings 4. A widow was about to go bankrupt and lose her children to slavery. She asks Eli Elisha, the man of God, the prophet of God, to help her with a little cottage industry. She had run out of resources and she feared there was no way out. The prophet Elisha asks her what she had in her house. She says, your servant has nothing except a jar of oil. And it was from this jar of oil that a great miracle of provision was wrought. You know, a lot of people say, I have nothing, <laughs> nothing except. What is your except? God can take something that's very small and insignificant and make it huge. God loves taking little things. He tells us, do not despise the small things. What do you mean you have nothing? Except you have something. It doesn't matter how small it is. And it was from that little, that little jar of oil that a great miracle of provision was wrought. Like the woman who believed she had nothing to offer, there's always an except, a small jar of oil. We all have something to offer. Sometimes it's an excuse when we say we've got nothing to offer. But believe me, I've been around a long time. There's no excuses. You have got something to offer. It's time to offer it. God is looking to use the excepts of life. Those things that might not be much and worth very little in your estimation are the very things God can use, like the little lad's five loaves and two fish, which fed 5,000. But the boy had to be willing to give it. I guess there are so many 
questions I could ask this morning about you and this time next year. I wonder then this morning if you're courageous enough and willing to go away and spend a little time with God and genuinely ask God the Holy Spirit what question he would personally ask you about this time next year. What should you be asking God about this time next year? But you know what? Make no mistake about it, church. Primarily, it's you who will determine where you are this time next year. Not God. It's not his responsibility. Not your partner. It's not their responsibility. Not your work. It's not their responsibility. It's your responsibility to seek God for yourself. Sometimes we always say God never does anything. And that might be because we never ever seek God ourselves. What is God saying to you about this time next year? It is you who will determine where your daily walk with Jesus will be throughout this year and this time next year. I honestly believe what God has got for us is fruitful and good. We will, of course, see this time next year, won't we? My advice to you is please do yourself a favour. Make a personal quality decision to lay hold of that which Christ has laid hold of you for, as the Bible tells us. What has God laid hold of you for, for this year, for this time next year? One thing is for certain. In 2023, life will go on, and I am saddened to say, sometimes so will death. Some might die. I hope it isn't the case. But should the good Lord ring the bell and call last orders, call time in the bar room called life, then believe me, things will be very different for you this time next year. And if God should call you this time next year, do you know him? Do you know him through his son, Jesus Christ? We need to be ready. But I'm not speaking death. I am speaking life. I guess the question I should be asking is this. If God should call time on you, I wonder who you'll be dancing with this time next year. To coin a phrase, will you be dancing with Jesus in the ballroom of heaven for all eternity? Or will this time next year you'll be dancing to the devil's tune with him throwing you about the fiery flames of hell and all eternity? Now let's be honest. I'm coming to a close. What a question that is to contemplate. But it really is the most salient question you could ask yourself today. If you want things to be right with God this time next year, you must do something now. You must give him your life. You must rededicate your life to him. You must uh, consecrate your life and give him everything and all that you are. This time next year, God has got something special for you. Now that's a great cue for you to say, Lord, come and do something for me this year. And may things be far more than I could ever imagine or think in you this time next year. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I pray right now that as we speak, about this time next year, that Holy Spirit, you will come and do and say those things that I've missed and you would stir up the church at New Springs, Father, and cause them to know 
and anticipate that you've got something good in store. There's new birth coming. There is new adventure coming. Lord, you've got something special. And we are determined to serve you in faith. And we are determined to believe that this time next year, you will have done something absolutely amazing for the extension of your kingdom through me, through us, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I know Pastor uh, will continue where I left off today, just by praying with you and encouraging you. But listen, it leaves me to say, Happy New Year. But I want you to be excited. Don't forget, this time next year. <laughs>